For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to the Spirit of Sport. I'm Jason Stevens. So great to have you listening in. Look, I'm just going to dive right into this one. I'm so excited. My next guest comes from Rugby League Royalty. He made his first grade debut for the Eels as a 19-year-old against the North Queensland Cowboys. The Eels were my favourite club going up, no doubt about that. He had a brief stint with the Roosters under coach Ricky Stewart, but soon rejoined the Eels, where his career really took off. He represented New South Wales, Australia, and in 2005 was named Dalyam Winger of the Year. It's worth noting, he's one of only eight father-son combinations to represent Australia. He's one of the most powerful and explosive wingers I've ever seen. Not just saying that because he's bumped me off several, several times. But he's got a life outside of footy. He showcased his musical talents as a regular member of Channel 9's The Footy Show. He also performed skits on The Maddie John Show, which often stole the show, I've got to say. And he's had his own band called Shinobi, where he writes the music, but he's a lyrics man as well. His, his debut album <laughs> against the Brave received a lot of airplay on Triple J, Triple J, Triple M, Channel V, and Rage. How else to describe him? He's the kind of guy that you know when things are going just oh, real bad. You have one of those days, and you need someone to rely on. He is not that type of guy, <laughs> but he's a but he's a great guy, and he's got a big heart. Eric Growth Junior, welcome to Spirit of Sport. How are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was mate. amazing. I've never. I was thinking, oh, this is too nice. Something's coming. Something's coming. And sure, there it was. Sure, sure enough. In the end, no. It's good to speak to you, mate. How you going? All right. Yeah, no, no, really good. Thanks for uh, for, for taking the time. And if we can just tell the truth to the audience uh, that uh, uh, I've, already, I've we're already been halfway through the whole interview, and I forgot to press record. So we're going. <laughs> <laughs> so poor guy. And I'm, I'm trying to talk to you like it's the first time. Oh, what am I? What, I know. I know. It's funny. Uh, it's funny. I was uh, when when uh, for my honeymoon when I we went to LA and we went to um, yeah yeah is this a one of child friendly channel yeah no 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 but we went to one of these one of these uh, talk shows um, and they did the whole show. Can you believe it? And the recording wasn't working. Oh. They, had, they had to do the whole thing. Jimmy Kimmel live. It was oh that, the money that that would cost. Oh, they had to do the whole thing again. And oh, like they, were, wow. they were encouraging, oh, can we everyone just stay and, and so forth. And, um, yes, I, I don't know how I snuck myself in back. back I was backstage because you know I love being backstage. And Did you uh, did you um, stay for the second lot as well? Yeah, I stayed. Yeah, I stayed. Oh, really? Did they do it the same? Like, was the, the guest yeah, doing the same put flat. on? He, he was flat. Oh, and he was, really? You could tell he was annoyed, but he tried his best, but... Because it's not his fault, you know. I mean, how hard is it to get jokes again? But we'll find out. Oh. We're about to go through that. <laughs> some fake laughs. Uh, hey, mate, before we get into it, uh, I want to do some getting to know you questions. So whatever comes to mind, if that's all right. Yeah, let's get into it. First concert? Whispering Jack, uh, John Farnham. The Whispering Jack, Jack tour, John Farnham, when I was seven years old. First job? First job, I... Oh, what was my first job? Oh, I packed. I was at, uh, in Ingleburn. There was a place called Pax, P-A-X, and we used to pack, like, shampoos and deodorants and, and things like that. Yeah, it was just conveyor belt stuff along the, con- the, con- the line, you know? What about, most em- line. what about most embarrassing moment? Most embarrassing moment, oh, when I got my first car, 
And I went in and sat down to sign all the papers, and she goes, oh, you ended up choosing the white one, did you? I said, yeah, you know, white's like the colour of purity. And I just leaned back in the chair, and the chair just kept going, and I just went, on me, on me back, hit me head on the, and I looked up and I smacked my head on the on the glass wall, but it was glass, so the whole place heard it and was looking at me, and I had to kind of get up, and I just saw her head come up, and all I could see was my feet and her face like in the in my view, and she said, "Oh, are you a cast?" It's all right, you can laugh. I was like, oh, I was just embarrassed because she was a good looking girl too, and, oh. and you might have been uh, as equally embarrassed to to get the white car because white was never. It's the only one I could afford, and it was white. And and someone told me that white, yeah, it's the colour of purity or something. I said, yeah, I'll just say that when everyone says it. <laughs> oh, I've been exposed. What about your favourite movie? My favourite movie, uh, it's got to be The Departed. I watched it again the other night. My my partner, she hadn't watched it, so we sat through it, and she fell asleep after the first hour and a half. Which is all the setup, and then it starts oh getting real good. Gosh, the so the next night we watched from the climax on, and it was she loved it. But as I don't want to spoil it for people, but the person that gets shot there is just a real slap in the in the guts. It's, uh, it's a shock, a lot of shock. Uh, well, it's been out twenty years, so you know. We, you, we, yeah, I can reveal. <laughs> I can reveal. Yeah, it is the departed. The departed. When the scene where Leonardo DiCaprio gets shot in the head, out of nowhere. Get ready for that when you're watching it and you haven't seen it before, and you're just warming to the character. Billy Costas again, and the, the elevator door opens, and he just cops one right between the eyes. What, what about your pet hate? My pet hate. Uh, my pet hate oh, uh, this woke the wokeness or whatever they call it on on it all seems to be all over social media like the, oh yes the the, the really hard left leaning madness the the madness uh, yeah that madness stuff it's like well it's, sorry what was the question what what is it what gets what yeah that was it well um your pet hate and my pet so hate works, yeah. yeah. It's a pet hate, but it's kind of um, entertaining as well because it's so there's there's so many lunatics. Like it's kind of fun to watch. I've always been someone that likes watching things that I can't stand, kind of thing. You know, like the office, that feeling you get when you watch it, that cringe thing. Yeah, yeah, it's you, like that. You yeah. post some pretty um, funny stuff up. Stuff up. <laughs> it's very very. Oh, funny. oh yeah, I, I, I get in a bit of trouble sometimes. But yeah, that's just, what. Twitter's the worst. It's funny. Different platforms have different like feels about them. Like on Instagram, it's all kind of a bit more friendlyish or something. Um, but then Twitter's just like this opinion thing, and it's funny. You just say anything. I've sat here before with people going, "Oh, look, if I say that, you watch what happens, and we'll send it." And I forget about it. Look a couple of days later, and there's just a war going on. I'm like, "Shit, yeah. like, this is." Crazy man, it's just mental to me. It was always entertainment. It's crossed the line now. Now it's like hanging your hat on every single thing posted. Yeah. You're not allowed to look at it as entertainment. It's all your heart on your sleeve stuff. And if you say it, you're the worst person ever. Or if you uh, if you don't back something, or you're like people getting like bullied into posting certain things on certain days that they don't feel like they want to post because yeah. they've got other reasons. Oh, I don't know. It's, just, it's full on, man. No, it's, it's a, full it's, on. It's a minefield. It's a, it's definitely a minefield. What, what, what about a person from history you'd like to have met? A person from history that I like to have I'd met. like to have met. Oh, that's a good question. I've never thought of that. A person from history. I it's funny because it's like a question. So, 
You did this. <laughs> oh, I gave you a dodgy email trying to get out of doing this interview. <laughs> I gave you a dodgy email. Um, yeah, um, someone in history I would like to have met. I would have liked to have sat and had a good chat to Jack Gibson more so as a man uh, but instead of being a, a young fella just in awe of that whole thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, can I, does that count? You know, oh, I, um, I just, I just don't, I don't know anything about him other than he had a lot of respect and I just, uh, and especially from my father um, and our family, um, and I just have fond memories of him being so kind to me and my little brother when he was little tiny. So, um, yeah, I'd just like to, yeah, it'd be good to sit and chat with him about those years that, uh, and then those players that the coach and his philosophies and he just seemed to say little but say so much, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, yeah, when, uh, when he was at the Roosters doing a, an overseeing type role there, he 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 um he wanted me to, to come to the club and I went there and and met him and, and Nick Politis and um yeah, I, I was never going to the Roosters, but boy, did it pump up my, my fee back at the... <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't know what. Doesn't know what. Yeah, Sorry, I was the, uh, yeah we went and had lunch at Yumcha with the, uh, the Roosters. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I know it's all looking very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great thing to leak out. You just text the paparazzi here, mate. We'll just be here uh, <laughs> on the corner right here, Bondi Junction, mate. Just uh, look out for us. Well, is there something you wish you were better at? I wish I was better at. Um, I wish I was better at being disciplined to go all in on something. Stay on that one thing instead of trying to do ten things at once. I hope your girlfriend's not listening to this. <laughs> no, no one listens to this. That's why I'm doing it. This is why I'm spilling my guts on you. Why do you think I'm telling you everything, mate? You got me. What a, you thinking, can hold this against me in the future. <laughs> she's at home thinking, "Oh man, this is wearing it for the long haul." <laughs> she just heard that. Um, shed a <laughs> Yeah, it's a little piece of the heart just broken. It's a little piece of his died inside. Oh, was she looking for an exit? So she's she, she could have cool. <laughs> Oh gosh, I hope not. Too much, too much. No, no, no. Of course not. Um, it, no, I appreciate your honesty. What, what was the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Um, the thing I did growing up that made my parents the most upset. Not so much one major incident, other than just a period there where you kind of becoming a young man, a late teenager, young man, whatever. Uh, and I was a bit disrespectful for a couple of years there in terms of, like, I didn't realise until a little bit later, like a few years later, just how hard, you know, mum and dad worked to make everything happen. So, I, yeah, I, I kind of would have, there just been another body in their house, just, you know, using energy, using up the house, uh, eating the food, living there, and not contributing. Like I was at school still, I can just take a piss at school and just playing a little bit of footy here and there, and play music and that. So I wish I, yeah, I wish I didn't put them through a couple of years of that crap. But I'm oh, more than made up for it. I think at least I try and tell myself that so I can sleep better at night. Anyway. Yeah, no, no, that's good. No, that's good. What, what about Guru? Is there is there one song if you had, if you were locked away on an island for the rest of your life? Is there one song? That, that, and you could only listen to one song. Is there one song? Wait, am I am I rambling on too much? Or do you want no, me to? No, no, no. I'm not really listening. So I think I. Think <laughs> <I'm> 
I thought I heard you taking a leak. I'm just, I'm just on social media while you talk. Uh, talk walking around here talking to myself. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm used to it anyway. No, 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 we got no. a dog. You're the dog great. doesn't even listen to me. <laughs> no, you're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, yeah, if there's one song. One song, mate. That's a very tough question, Lord. I don't know about listening to one song forever I know, uh, and, and I know, to pick that song. That's really, that's really, you put me in a, this is not a nice thing that to do to a mate. I know, I know, but this is like, you're a muso, you know music inside out. Yeah, that's right. And I know how many good, many wonderful good. pieces of music there are out there and to pick one just to listen to forever for the rest of time. Oh, um, okay, I'll say, I'll give, I'll say uh, one a song called Wonderland by a band called The Occupants, right? Now, The Occupants are actually two brothers from a band called Cog, um, Luke and Craig Gower, and they're from Bondi. They're, they're, they were local boys. They live up, up the north coast now, I think, um, out that way, like on the beaches there, up near Byron and Lennox and places like that. But um, they wrote this song, and it's called Wonderland, and it's, it goes for about eight minutes, and you just wouldn't know it goes for eight minutes because you just kind of get lost in it. But you really listen to it with great headphones, or on a really good stereo, really loud, mate. It's 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 like music that's not around these days, and nobody's doing it. It sounds really progressive and and just ahead of time type thing. A bit like Yes used to sound back in their day. Mm. People who were into Yes would understand that how musically developed and layered their music was, um, and that's a similar similar sound um, in my opinion. So the occupants, a song called Wonderland. There you go. I thought you would. I thought you would. I don't know. I thought you would have chosen a. Something I don't know, just some, something else like a Van Halen, a, a uh, oh really? Yeah, I just thought you, no, I, I, I know. I think I've never got into Van Halen. They're, they're punk rock, aren't they? From from I think I've heard of. Uh, no, 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 not at all. No, Colga like Colga quite. Um, it's, I guess you could say there's elements of heavy rock in it, but they're more progressive than that. Back in the day when they first started, they were kind of a little bit raw in terms of yeah, compared to now, like they're so. It's so on point with their recording, right. um, and and they're so practiced at it. Well, well practiced at it that, that they're so phenomenal at it, in my opinion. So, if you put good headphones on a stereo and crank Wonderland and just get lost in the the layering and the the magicianship that is this friggin' song, it's uh, it, you can you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's a big chance I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you got You don't because <laughs> it, unless it's from the '80s, I've found you're not interested. You're just not interested. <laughs> What's the biggest thing you've been nervous about? The biggest thing I've ever been nervous about? Um, uh, oh, speaking at uh, eulogy, that was, yeah, sorry to bring it right down, but speaking at a eulogy, like doing the eulogy at a, at a um, sorry, can we cut this bit out? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will. Uh, um Eulogy, yeah, had to had to read a eulogy. Is that how you say it? Yeah, eulogy, yeah, that's right. It, do you read the eulogy or do you read a eulogy? Yeah, I think a eulogy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that- yeah, I've had to do a couple of them because I'm the oldest in my family in terms of I'm the first child born in all our family. All my cousins are younger, and anyway, um, I'm always the one because they, you know, sometimes it's their family members or whatever. Mm. So it usually ends up on me. I don't mind taking that responsibility, but it bringing weighs you down. Like, to go up there and just break 
did break down in front of everyone a few times, you know, mm. like re- reading out those powerful words of memories and things like that. So, yeah. It's hard. It's but, very hard to do. That one. What's the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Uh, lesson that's taken me the longest to learn. Uh, oh, that with sacrifice comes reward. I'm still learning it. Still learning it. Yeah, I think I no, still I think, often I go for the quick are. fix rather yeah. than yeah. Um, than the go without now and gain that reward from that going without later. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know they know they they call it delayed uh, gratification, and it's one of the there you go. Yeah, it's one of the the, the greatest, um, I guess, um, attributes you can have if and develop by by saying you know what I want this, but if I wait, yeah, and do the hard yeah guards, to have the then, foresight for that rewarded yes, feeling that you yes. get. If you can have foresight for that, it's pretty special because we're creatures that feel and have senses and stuff, and you kind of gravitate towards anything that can make that feel good all of a sudden. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm right. purely talking here myself mainly with um, sugar. Oh, yes. Like the sugar oh, thing, sh- the sh- like a late night sugar hit. Then, oh, like yeah. that, I, honestly, honestly, I've, I've I used to smoke weed when I was younger. I took old party drugs and that when I was younger and all that stuff. Mate, sugar is the worst thing. Like I'm, I'm addicted to sugar, and and every night's a struggle, but I get through it. I don't do it a lot of nights, but. Oh, any any excuse, like any mm. kind of you know, mm. any celebration of any kind, and it's just I just think it's some sort of an excuse to just gorge on all different <laughs> processed carbs and sugars. And mate, the next day I feel that it's like you get a hangover from it. You get a hangover from yeah, it. I wake up yeah. feeling crook, especially if you've been eating healthy. Like if I just do a week of just a couple of meals a day or one meal a day, big meal like meats and salads, different combos of that. And then all of a sudden on the weekend, I just smash a pizza, pasta, garlic bread. The next day, man, I feel like I've been out in a three-day bender. Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. Waking up crook in the guts and, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, um, it's just not good for you. And you realise when you get healthy and you go back to it, how bad it really is for you. And how evil the food industry is too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know you've done They're a lot of research. pushing all this crap. Oh, yeah, They yeah, push yeah. all this crap, like constantly, and heart disease is the biggest killer. Well, I remember, I think on Twitter, you uh, recently put up a tweet that said the government would never lie to you and you did the food pyramid from what we were taught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was yeah, heaps of bread, cereals. And- That's what I mean, yeah. The government would lie to you and look, he eats three to five servings of bread and cereals per day and gets sick as a dog, fat as a dog and <laughs> and have to be put down early. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous, man. And, and, you know how they push, the, I, I don't know if they still are in schools. I haven't kept up to date with it. I haven't been doing that. But um, I don't know if they're, yeah, they've changed all that because I know a few countries have basically turned that pyramid upside down. Wow. Upside down. It's like they went back in the day, hey, if we, like this, py- this pyramid here that we're drawing, if we turn upside down, that's the perfect way to eat. Like just put, put the opposite out so we can, we can keep everyone sick and get them eating medicine as well. Wow. I don't know. You know, that's conspiracy. I'm a conspiracy theorist. Got- <laughs> well, yeah, I really am. Like, people say, oh, you're conspiracy. Everyone's like, oh, you're not a conspiracy theorist. You're just so I'm going, yeah, shut up. Just be a conspiracy theorist. Who cares? I'm going for everything. Yeah, flat. What else? What else is there? Bring <laughs> hey, it on. Mate, let's talk a bit about uh, 
your your career, but before that, I mean, obviously your dad, you know, one of the greatest wingers of all time. Um, do you have many memories of watching him actually play? I actually do, mate. I um, I remember a lot of um, England as well because I, I was four then, four years old, um, and five years ago going into school. So I remember going to those games in England and those beautiful white snowy fields that were fun to watch from a distance and warm, but would have been horrible to play on. Um, and yeah, just going to games and and the grand final in 1986. I remember that because I was a bit older there too. And then from then on, it was kind of. Uh, they kind of finished their run, yes, um, and, it, and it all kind of started, yeah, being different then. The greatest era, always struggling, yeah. The greatest era was over. It was, wasn't it? So, so, so I saw the downfall of the club, yeah, yeah. And I think psychologically that had a, that big an impact on me. That's why I never won anything like a premiership, and it's all Dad's fault. So, who <laughs> anything he's a legend? I think about the psychological scars. He's put on his poor son. Well, look, he gave me the same name. I played the same club in the same position, <laughs> same number, and he's just left me to deal with that. And he was he was what he was. Yeah, thanks, Dad. What a top bloke. You know, he was your favourite player, wasn't he? He, he? he was. It was Kenny, uh, him, um, and mate. Like how the, good was how good was Brett Kenny? Oh, mate. But Brett Kenny's, you know, he, he's like a not so much. An athlete, he's a footballer, hey. Like he was, he born for rugby league, eh? Hey? Oh yeah, yeah, freak, freak. Born for the good. game, freakishly yep. good. Uh, did that, you know, growing up, did that sort of because I've, you know, there were, there were sometimes, you know, you see, you know, obviously people that have done really well, and their, their sons come through, and they feel the pressure, and it, it can it can get to, it can get overwhelming. Did you ever sort of battle with the, with you know, expectations like from yourself or from other people or the comparisons or? Um, I think at the start it was really weird to me because I I never really thought about the concept of someone thinking, oh, you're not as good as your dad because dad and I were never like competitive growing up for us to ever like be put in a light that we're against each other in something or something. So for me, I was like, this is weird. This is a bit funny. And then it was good because Andrew Ryan one day, he goes, oh, geez, you've been playing. I was getting an interview or something and in the background he goes, oh, gee, you've been playing with Guru, but you'll never be as good as your old man. And everyone laughed, and it was the best thing ever because it was like there was some sort of ice that needed to be broken or something because I didn't know what was going on. Like, they were going, off oh, media ban or some shit, a big media ban, and, and um, it's becoming a thing. And I'm like, what the, what's going on? Like, I don't care. Let him say something about me. I don't care. Mm. And Smitty, Brian Smith, like, he put a ban on me. Um, so... Now, looking back, like he was just being protective, so it was a nice thing, really. But uh, yeah, it just made it kind of this thing, you know what I mean? Um, and that was really foreign to me, so I didn't really start feeling any pressure until later. And when I was injured and I couldn't play, and my knee was bad, as you saw in that origin camp there, yeah, I was starting to really think, I don't think I could even be as good as everyone thinks they're expecting me to be. I'm like, I don't mm. think it's going to work because my knee's ratchet, like, I just mm. had no power anymore. Like, my whole entire game was running with power and strong and strong hit ups and stuff, and, and I just had no base of strength. So for me, I was like, "Oh shit! Well, this is it." Mm. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm going to um, get up there. So that became pressure then to get back on the field to get healthy. I missed the whole year of 2001 at the Roosters, and then came back 2002 very gingerly and struggled until I got back to Parramatta in 2004. Your time at uh, the Roosters was 
was a tricky one for you with uh with Ricky Stewart. Uh, Definitely, you, mate. Yeah. Would you care to elaborate? <laughs> <Would> you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you've pretty much switched off one now, haven't you? What are you reading? You reading a book or something? No, no, no. <laughs> how to, no, no, how to hard... pretend to listen to your friend spilling his guts while and pretend to care? Because I, I said no. Because I remember you talking about it. it was a hard. It was a hard year. It nah, was, but it was, it was hard yeah, he, he bloody put me through the ringer. No, it was good though. It was good. I, I tell you, it's the best thing that happened because it just slapped the bitch out of me. If you know what I mean, like. It just was like, mate, if you can't do what I'm going to put towards, like you're injured, all right, no worries. Sorry to sit here, mate, but I'm not, we're not paying you as it's going to pay you if you're not on your feet working. So I was like, fair enough. And then you just put me through hell. I got through it, um, but it just so happened that there was other great plays in front of me already and no reason to cut them. And they just kept winning and they were bashing teams. So I really didn't, I only had a few stints on the wing, like it was 20 minutes to go here and there because he liked me and wanted me involved in the team, but. He couldn't really take the other guy off when they weren't doing anything wrong, you know, and they're actually yeah. doing really well as well. So, um, mate, I just, yeah, but that's all right. I kind of found my feet again while I was there and took that new attitude that's Ricky Stewart kind of drilled into my head uh, and mixed it with all the stuff that Brian Smith taught me with his brilliant brain. And I had, and I was a bit older and more mature and I was ready to put that all together. And then I had my best kind of three or four years there. So I reckon I had Brian Smith when I was young and, and, um, like I, I honestly think, if I was a bit more mature when I had him, I would have learned. I would have oh, learned mate, a lot he taught me everything because he knows footy just far out. He knows footy inside out. He just looks at it differently. He looks at the game yeah. differently. Like he sees, like he's putting on them Terminator glasses, you know, where it just scans everything. He's had that kind of brain for it, a mathematical brain for it, um, and proved a lot of it on the field. He put, mate, that two thousand and one team. I wasn't involved in them. That's probably why they went good, but they broke every record ever. Wow. Like, they were smashing teams. that They got obviously got beaten in the grand final against Newcastle, which was, like, just blindsiding. But they um, – they, Smitty had that – mate, that was – you ask anyone who was playing against Parrot that time, mate, they were a nightmare. They had – Jamie Lyon was on fire. He was on fire. He was just breaking tackles at will, scoring two tries. Oh, he was a freak. And they just had the best, the best um, go forward, all mobile, all skillful. Um, they were a well-oiled machine, and he, 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 mate, watching him and how he operated, it taught me everything. And yeah, I guess if you let, you can, I guess, yeah, when you're a hopeful footballer and some of the things you say would really challenge you mentally and it can break some people, but I, I think, yeah, it, it made a, a good combination with all the other coaches. I lucky enough for it must have a good combination for me to be able to, yeah, take it into my footy. So you move back to the Eels, uh, you know, 2004-05, you, you have your best year probably, would you say, in 2005, you finished top try scorer, named Dalian Winger of the year. You represent City, New South Wales, Australia. Um, it must have been nice to have had that year after, you know, several sort of up and down years, injuries and, you know, pushing through self-doubt. Yeah, uh, definitely, mate. I put my head down and my bum up that year um, in terms of pre-season training. Uh, and I just got a really good result from really hard work, and I learned a lot that year. I'd, I'd kind of had a lot of years of injury and kind of, yeah, like, you know, a lot of potential to come back, but it didn't quite happen, and I thought, this is enough now. I'm 25 this year, so if I don't start playing good football, I'm not going to be a footballer. So I really, yeah, it was good. I, I, I 
I told a friend of mine, Craig Fitzgibbon, who I was living with at the time, and he never takes shortcuts. I said, oh, I wasn't going to take a shortcut and have a really good year so he could hold me accountable, and he did. And, yeah, I just honestly, for the first time, put, like, put it all together in a preseason really well and then onto the field as well instead of just one or the other. Um, so, yeah, that was a good year, mate, definitely. And how did your dad feel? Did he? Is it? And, and what's he like as a dad? Is he? Is does he like? Is he very emotional? Does he? Is it? Or does he hold it in? Or you know, like in terms of his pride? Or um, yeah, know. yeah. He, I would say that he does probably hold it in, but not really like he's got heaps to say. He kind of just shows us how much he loves us by being him, really. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Um, sometimes, yeah, obviously at big moments he'll, he'll show a bit of an emotion and and have a have a cry just like any human being, I guess. But um, maybe he's, yeah, no, it's um, what was the question? Yeah, no, that, what, what that, that, like? that was it. Yeah, that that was it. Yeah, yeah. So, so did he have a bit of a sort of? Was he very emotional during that? You know, to your first representative jersey. Oh, and, that, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. He um, sorry, mate. He, he really, he really, I could see it and hear it in his voice, especially on the phone and um just how proud he was, you know, and um, I think at that time people were bringing up the statistics about, like you said earlier, about being the one of eight, is it, father-son combinations yeah, or something? Right. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and um, that was really special to him, I could tell. So, yeah, in hindsight of my whole career, I do wish that I had more of those 2005 years. Um, or, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007 weren't too bad, and then the rest is kind of nightmares from there. But, um, yeah, I wish I had more of those 2005-type years, mate, because... Yeah, maybe I um I would have played a lot more rep football and yeah, been able to make people even prouder. Not that they're not proud. There's a few that's probably not proud, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest with most of them are pretty not proud. I'm a bit of a letdown if you really start looking at the stats. Like 2009, you're not at all. Um, oh, no, I'm trying different... to this new year, new me, self help stuff. I'll just go back to bagging myself. I think it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a famous year, that 2009, for the Eels. Uh, obviously, there was that great lead-in by Jared Hayne, but also yourself. I mean, Jared won the Family M that, that year, but um, I, I still remember that uh, that intercept at uh, at Jubilee Oval that you that you took uh, against the yes, Dragons. Yes, right, yeah, that was and, a big and, day, yeah. And you, you really got poleaxed by them the week, very week before... Yeah, they smashed us the week before, yeah. Um, Yeah, the week before, I was crook as a dog. I had a really bad virus. Uh, I was like, you know, one of them up night, late night spewing, just everything. Anyway, not to get too graphic, I um, uh, ended up missing that game, and Nathan Highmarsh missed that game as well. And the Dragons whacked us. Like, it was not not just because of that. I think we didn't have a great week in the lead-up either. And then um, the following week, we'll just play them again. And I was like, oh, how good that? You just get to play that team straight away again. And they'll probably won't be expecting this. And we just absolutely gave it to them. Was that, was um, that the greatest try you've ever scored, that one? Because you plucked it. Like, we like didn't it. really absolutely give it to them. It was a close game, actually. I shouldn't say that. But yeah, yeah, mate, it was. Because uh, it probably was the most important, one of the most important kind of ones. that kind Because of, what it did was, we were ahead, but it put us out of, Danger zone, like because they were pressing our line type thing. So if they had a scored, they could have been in front, you know. So or yeah, they would have been in front if they scored. So it just put them out of reach a little bit, and it gave us a bit of breathing space. So it was a good moment to do it, mate. It just it was just there, like it was those things. Over. You either hero or villain. 
It was at Jubilee. Yeah, Jubilee Oval. Like, you know, yeah, like it, was, it, it was, yeah, yeah packed with Saints. Packed. packed. Yeah, it was a really good atmosphere. I used to really like playing there. Like, before the games over there, when you'd be warming up, like, they'd all be just hanging out, like, all the, all the um, St. George Dragons fans just hanging up on that hill and over the gate, looking at your warm-up and just yelling stuff at you, like, <laughs> brutal. And I was like, mate, we're, like, in, it's like, we're going to get, we're going to get knives or something in a minute. Like, it felt good, though. I put you in that kind of, um, put you in that kind of war mentality a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the games were so ferocious and fast. And, and that, that oval is awesome. Like, awesome atmosphere to, to run on that field and oh, to look at and see all that red and white. Like, yeah. it's just, if you played for him, it'd feel amazing. But it was also mad to be a villain in that place too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was to play for the Dragons at Jubilee Oval. Um, and no offense to to Win Stadium and to the merger, and I understand it. You know the reasons, but mate, there is there was nothing like a packed. No, they had a real, it was real rugby food. league. Eight, good, good, good uh, history at that place, man. Like, really the, good. Just an aura about it. Yeah, it was. Oh, I used to really like playing there. We'd always play so uh, such a tough Dragons team. I think they probably out of all the games they might have beat us more than we beat them. I can't remember, but we just had some cracker battles there. So the team manages to make it to the grand final. Um, Jared Hayne obviously was on fire. What would, what was it like to play with him as a? Yeah, I was just as a fan watching him. But what was it like to play with him? Mate, I was a fan watching him too, but I just got to sit closer than you pretty much, man. He just was a, a freak with the ball. And my, in my opinion, his best football is played when he doesn't have to worry about everyone else and he can just play with his instinctive athletic prowess. It's like when they started to and, – and you've got to – people like that, you've got to give them the ball more, obviously, to do their thing. But at the same time, giving him more responsibility and – in terms of organising troops like off the ball to be ready two, three plays ahead, you know what I mean? I think for, for Jared, I, I thought he was best when he was just an athletic weapon who could just kind of roam free and then get the ball and score and do something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when he was pivotal, um, not that he can't do it, he's skillful enough to do it and I, I believe he can do it. It's just, I don't know, I mean, I, I feel like his best years were were not were not when he wasn't uh, pivotal in a pivotal role, yeah. Mm. So you go on and lose that game. You scored a great try in that grand final, only for Melbourne Storm to be stripped of the title. Uh, what, what was it like after that amongst amongst the boys, amongst you know your own feelings? Did you feel cheated? Yeah. Like, did you? Not cheated. No, no. We just lost, mate. We we got beat. We we. But, could, we, but knowing, they were they, a great but knowing they had a stacked team, knowing they had a stacked team is, is what I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't put this in because he was stuck too. <laughs> Sorry, say again. I don't want to. Yeah, I know. You, you edit this later, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we had a stack team too, so I don't want to bag him for that. <laughs> okay. Mate, everyone had a stack team. Yeah, Probably except you, your honest <laughs> unit. So, so, yeah, but to lose a grand final, um, even that was a bit controversial. That. How did you recover from that loss? Because you know it's 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 every kid's dream, really. Yeah, well, definitely. It was a, a, such a huge occasion and a very emotional week, and it was actually a fun week as well. Um, Daniel Anderson said to us, "Let the week do your head in, or have fun." He goes, "Boys, just have fun. We've done all the work. We're not going to be training hard. We're just going to do some sharp ball work sessions and some skill sessions. All good." It was the best week ever. It was fun, and then 
yeah, for it all not to come together on the night, it's yeah, massive letdown, very empty feeling afterwards. But it's good to be part of the whole thing. I guess it would have been great to have um, a premiership ring for the to show, but mm. not to be, mate. Or to put on eBay because it would be worth a little bit. What do you reckon? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it was? <laughs> Wouldn't it what? Probably worth as much as that Bitcoin that you lost. Oh, yeah. What about that? What a jack. <laughs> just for the viewers, for our listeners, oh. just for that, just for our listeners, you had some Bitcoin. Bitcoin's gone up like a rocket. <laughs> yeah, mine got stolen. Oh, my God. There's some very lucky little computer geek out there who <laughs> siphoned it out of my account and ran off with it. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> I, I, they didn't get everything, but they got a good chunk of it. They got most, of it. They got most yeah. of it. Now, mate, let's just change change uh, direction just a little bit because, you know, we, you and I, we, we've been through a lot together and it's particularly, you know, we've had some really big chats about about life, meaning, and, you know, I think one of the biggest chats that we've ever had was after the, the passing and the funeral of, of Johnny Manor. And, uh, you know... Uh, you knew Johnny obviously really well, and I was certainly getting to know him over over the years. How how did that impact you, like his passing? Uh, yeah, mate, it was a very uh, the moment that's just yeah cemented, branded into my memory for life. That that the whole the whole aura and feeling around the entire lead up the, from the lead up to to from when he passed. Uh, and to what was said uh, at the funeral and to what's happened since uh, and the legacy in, in people say that word legacy it's a bit of a uh, you know words but um, he was just a he, the, the way he was as a person and what he stood for and, and the morals and, and the integrity that a bloke had mm. it's just it, it wasn't spoken of it was just there and it was present and everyone felt it uh, and everyone knew how special he was and, and, and that whole family mate, the entire family, their family and what what they went through with it um, to lose someone who has so much life in their eyes and their soul, so much love in their soul mm. so early um, and to watch the way they handled going through that I just can't ever put it into words mm. in terms of the uh, the the bravery that they they the faces they had and put on at the or I don't know if they put it on they just the, the faces that they had and then the eyes that they had and the knowing that they had in their heart that everything was okay it was, mm. it was a very very special and a very different experience um, being someone who's their friend more so than inside the camp there you know what I mean in their family because so it was a profound profound moment man. They spoke a lot about uh, eternity after it and during it, and you know, we, we, you and I, I remember in the car we were driving, and my wife and I, Beck, we were we were talking, and just we had a great conversation about life beyond this this world, and you know, I kind of sensed that that stage that that you know you were you were very open, and I think have made some really great sort of ground in terms of believing um, about. You know the next realm, and do you ever? You know, I know you're on YouTube a lot, and you, you watch a lot of um, uh, people say that they've, you know, the experiences of life after, and that they've met Jesus, and 
and things like that. And where where do you see yourself at in that in that spiritual journey? Yeah, man. I've always, ever since I was little, um, believed in without really knowing uh, or, or thinking beyond that. There's definitely something more than just what I can see and feel and touch and hear and smell and all that stuff. Um, I, yeah, I've always had this firm belief, and I, <clears throat> and I feel like that goes beyond just um, being having that indoctrinated into my system from school. Like, it's beyond that. Like, I felt before I went to school, before I heard about all that stuff, I just, well, like, in terms of the religion side of it and the Catholicism and then the rules and regulations and the rituals and all that stuff, outside of that, I always felt there was something beyond and more in charge of us than, yeah, these these are just my personal beliefs. That's how I just felt. So Mm. as I got older and, you know, you experience some things and you see some really tough times and you go through some very tough times and the feelings and the um, the things that happen around those times, for me, it's very obvious and, and you know, and people argue that and it's a very, very hot topic, um, God versus no God. But for me, it's absolutely crazy to think that there is no God. Like to me, it's ridiculous in my opinion from what I've heard people say, uh, what I've heard people who've actually been clinically pronounced dead come back to life and say these people had not all, like not all of them there's many that had a previous religious experience in terms of you know being practicing Christians or mm. practicing religiously or in any way um, but also many people who didn't and people who are from other religions who all come back and all say a similar similar thing it's so similar and it's so much the same that it's ridiculous to think that it's just uh, random chemicals and toxins being released upon death. Like it's, it's beyond that. And these people will say it. One of the guys is a neurologist and he was basically an atheist until this happened. And he comes back and he says, it's just, we were wrong. It's okay to be wrong. We were wrong. We were wrong. Wow. There's more to And he explains what I'll send it to you. I think I want to send it to you. Using I, you I, think you did, yeah. I think you did. I think you did. Yes. And, mate, he's just not lying. And I didn't, you know, and I thought, all right, oh, that's one bloke. And then that's the first one I saw. And then I started looking into more of them. And you're just watching these people. Man, if they're actors, give them a freaking uh, an award. Sorry, if they're actors, give them a, an award because they're just phenomenal. Mm. And they're, they're not actors. They're not liars. They're talking about an experience. So that just kind of started to make me feel not so weird for thinking that. <laughs> And, and seeing other people, okay, well, there's something going on. Mm. So for me, yeah, and I like everything that it represents, uh, the Christian spirituality, what it represents. And now I'm not a practicing Christian. I'm not a good Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm a God-fearing man, and I'm, I'm, I make a lot of mistakes. Mm. But, see, and, I, I, but think, I think you are, see, I, I actually, having known you, I think you are a Christian, and I, I think, you know, like we've all got, um, sort of areas in our lives um, described as like strongholds. They're 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 sort of issues that we've got, and and I kind of feel like the closer we get to God, um, and if we're open, the less of a problem they are. Yeah, if we if we, if yeah. we get if we, we release those burdens and those issues, he 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 transforms us, and that's that's really the journey um, that that we, we we go on, and sometimes. 
the intimacy is 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 stronger when you spend more time with him and you you know you go to church weekly and I know that's not something you do but I there's still for you I know there's still um a love a love there for God and we've often talked about what Jesus went through and the sacrifice that that he went through and how how that's you know I remember you saying that you know I don't think that's like what manhood is but really that to to speak like that about your enemies and forgive them that's the most incredible heart and mental strength. Yes. To, yeah, to actually, that's yeah. a real test of manhood, to actually love people who hate you. Well, uh, and ever since getting older too, I've been so obsessed with um, what our egos are. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. what, what are they? like? And it all leads back every time I chase it down to it's the evil trying to get you, to trying to keep you over there. It's, it's And it becomes a battle of, decision making like making the right decisions daily like little even micro decisions and everything that leads to living a wholesome and good life and it all comes from sacrifice like uh, and, and, and not just religiously I'm talking about sacrifice in everyday life like sacrifice anything you sacrifice like we are talking about before if you sacrifice now and don't eat the donut you're going to feel and look amazing in a month but mm-hmm. there's a sacrifice there to have that awesome Reward that we're talking about that foresight stuff, mm. but um, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm just rambling a little no, bit. No, no, but. it's not because we, but but I think because sometimes you know, like you say, you, you do stuff up and you make which we all do, we all do. Um, there's a there's a there's a one of the greatest um characters in the Bible is a guy called King David, and he had a real heart after God, he loved God. Uh, at the same time, you know, he had an issue with lust, he he sent his best mate. Uh, to the battlefield, so, because he he impregnated his wife, and, and oh, it, well. oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. We've spoken about this. We've yeah, spoken about this. Yeah, and um, and and you know, the Bible says that he had now he had he suffered the consequences of that. Don't get me wrong, and there were, there's always consequences for our choices. But the Bible says that he had a heart um, like God's, like he had he had he had a heart that resembled his. So so it's a, it's a, it's a really hard thing to to grasp it can be a hard thing to grasp where you go wow if 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 you're in this relationship you know shouldn't you be shouldn't you be perfect <laughs> or shouldn't you not make big errors but when you really look at the bible they're full of you know humanity we're so frail and we we make we make awful decisions but the one thing about the king david is that he always went back to god and and said oh you know i was sorry I'm sorry. Yeah, well, and- I think people get scared away too, Steve, because they think, they think, and sometimes they experience when they go to church today is like it's a bit of a you're stepping into a cult type feeling, you know. And you know, you've called it out yourself. Um, and I think it's important that when, um, yeah, new people are going to a church, um, for the people who go there all the time, uh, and they often are. They're always just very give welcoming. Them space. Yeah, just give yeah, them just space. a little bit of space because. I know I've gone to churches before and um, people will come straight up and oh, yeah. rip you down the front, sit up the front, yeah. and then we have a new person here. I'm like, man, <laughs> man, oi, oi, brother, brother, just, brother, father, what am I cool. calling you? What's cool. going on? Just chill out, man. <laughs> chill out. You know? Yeah, but yeah, then, yeah. you know, I've gone to other churches with you and, uh, and not with you as well and just, just go sit up the back and just listen. Mate, some of the pastors I've heard speak have said some of the most incredible stuff Yes. In relation to t- things that are happening today, whether it be 
relationship or business, anything. Just really intelligent philosophies using the the foundations of the Bible as their foundation. Which I, when I look into that sort of things, for me that is where you get the most reward. It's from sacrifice, which is what the that Christian the Christian Christianity is about. Sacrifice. Mm. I think it's just there in black and white for us to see plain in plain sight. Like go without. Reward in many ways, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. No, no, I agree. I agree. And look, I appreciate um, chatting to you about it because you know we do we do chat quite often about stuff. Um, I'm so interested in it. Everyone's so yeah. scared to talk about it. I'm not. I just like talking about it. I don't care what what so people think you're weird if you think there's a man in the sky yeah. who created something. Yeah, okay, I'm crazy then. I don't well, care. Well, because for me, it's to be an atheist. It takes more faith in my opinion, to be an atheist, to think that nothing came from nothing came from nothing. Mm. It's just, to me, it's stupid. And, and and everything's got every, in, like, everything has a, every intelligent design has an intelligent designer, in my opinion. And it's only my opinion, but yeah, no, I, I you're not allowed to say it because people say you're crazy. Shit. Yeah, Sorry. No, no, I agree. Sorry, I cares? agree. And, 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 and the thing is, is that, you know, with, with uh, you know, you, you have done a lot of sort of research. It's, it is an educated uh, point of view, but I think a lot of us grew up, and people used to say to us two things: you don't discuss religion and politics. And yeah, and I like talking about both of them at the same go, time. Oh, why, if you if you can do it respectfully, can't you? You know, you should be able to do that. Like we, you know, if you if you yeah. do it as you know, as a, in a mature way and respectful. If people don't want to talk about it, you go. That's fine. That, that's fine. Yeah, you know? I had a friend recently, and they just said this. Is, we were talking. I started talking about it. He goes, "It's the worst timing for me to talk about this. Some stuff must have been going on." And I said, "Oh no, no, no worries, man. I apologise." And you know, like if you ever want to chat, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. But you know, like, and I don't know all the the answers, you know. And it's good to let people know you don't know all the answers. Don't have them all. But I guess your experience yeah. is something that it's hard for people to deny. So, mate, yeah, I, mate, yeah. I really appreciate you talking about this. Probably the first time on on radio you've. You've spoken about you know these these kinds of stuff, but you really you no know. one ever asked me about my religious beliefs on uh, <laughs> radio before, mate. So if I had, I would have said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all good, mate. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, time's got us, and I know you've got some other commitments as well. And uh, mate, thank you so much for your time. It's you know I appreciate your friendship, and um, yeah, I think of you often. No worries, champion. You're a great mate, mate. I appreciate everything too. And thanks everyone for listening in. If you if you missed tonight's chat, it'll be replayed uh, next Sunday morning, five thirty to seven a.m. Uh, it'll also be on two ch digital if you if you're listening in, or you can go to the eleven seventy sen app, go to catch up, and there's all the great interviews that we've had there from the likes of Steve War, Margaret Court, Justin Langer, Paul Green, Brad Thorne, and and so much more to come. Thanks again. Have a great week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. I'm Jason Stevens, and you're listening to The Spirit of Sport.